Well, last week we began studying in the, in the book of Acts, and we covered the first 14 verses. And uh, we saw where it was dealing with the account of Jesus meeting up with the disciples and, and then ascending into heaven. And uh, the, the writer here, Luke, gives us a lot of information about when the Lord ascended out of, out of this place and uh, how the, the two men uh, the, in white apparel, the angels, came down and uh, asked those uh, disciples why they were staring up there looking. But tonight, with the help of the Lord, I want us to look at uh, the, the rest of this chapter. So it'll be verses 15 through 26, Lord willing. And it's going to cover the death of Judas in more detail, a lot more details that uh, Luke gives us than it gave us in the Gospels. And then uh, the selection of a new disciple to take the place of Judas. And so we'll just start with verse 15. Uh, there in Acts chapter 1, verse 15. The Bible says, And in those days Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, The number of the names together were about 120. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I'm praying that you help us tonight in this uh, Bible study. Lord, through this sermon series in the book of Acts, God, that you'll help us in, in, to illuminate the Scripture. God, to be able to understand your word more, Lord, and to know more about you. And God, we thank you for everything you bless us with. Thank you for this church. Lord, may you receive any glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, when we left off last week, we saw that the disciples and some of the women were there, including the married mother of Jesus and the Bible said his brethren. So we can only surmise that that was Jesus' brothers as well. And the Bible says they were in, in an upper room. Now, we talked about that at, at a little bit of detail about how every house really in Jerusalem had this upper room where the families would go into when they want to meet and have private conversations or devotions or such. But this is a pretty large place because uh, there's a hundred, I believe the Bible said 120 people up there. Uh, 120, yeah, that's what it says there in verse 15. It says the number of names together were about 120. Now that's not what uh, Peter stood up to say. That's where the Bible's com commenting on how many people are there before what Peter says in the next verse, in verse 16. But uh, so there's a lot of people in that room. Now, I want you to realize that the apostle Peter is the obvious leader of the disciples. He kind of was uh, all along during the, the Jesus' earthly ministry. We know James and John and Peter were part of the inner circle that the Lord always allowed them to go in places where the other disciples were not at. And so these three men were really right there in the inner circle, but Peter seemed to be the leader of the disciples. Uh, they kind of, everyone kind of followed his leadership and what he did. And we know that uh, Peter, of all men, um, at this point in his life, he could have drawn away from the Lord because of what he had done. Uh, we know he denied the Lord three times. Uh, but Peter sought forgiveness for that, and the Lord forgave him for it, and the Lord uh, had plans for Peter. He's had plans for Peter the entire time. In fact, he spoke with him at great lengths about some of those things that was going to happen. And uh, Peter was part of the plan that the Lord had to uh, usher in the New Testament church, to uh, for the church to be empowered. And Peter was a big part of that that plan. And so he is the natural leader. He's taken the leadership role here. And, um, you know, he's played. A, he plays a very prominent part in the the beginnings of the New Testament church, of the, the foundation of it. Now, we won't go as far as the Roman Catholics do to claim that uh, the church is founded on Peter because it is not. 
Um, they want to also claim that Peter was the first pope. <laughs> um, the reason for this confusion for the Roman Catholics is their misinterpretation of Scripture. And so they'll take the Gospel of Matthew in Matthew 16, 13 through 19, is where they derive of this um, belief that Peter is the one the church is founded on and that he is the first pope. Matthew 16 and 13, it says, When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And so the Roman Catholics take this portion of Scripture, uh, they take it to mean that Jesus is building his church upon Peter. But that's not what, what this is implying or meaning. Uh, he blesses Peter for understanding who he is because he's asking everyone there, who do you say that I am? And Peter is the one that speaks up. He says, well, thou art the Christ. In other words, you're the Messiah. You're the promised Messiah that God has promised us. We know that. I know that. I know who you are. And so the Lord blesses him for that. But he, he says, flesh and blood's not told you that, but it's been revealed to you. So God revealed to him that, yes, Jesus is the promised Messiah. And Peter believes that and understands that. And then... Uh, um, the Lord states, upon this rock, I will build my church. Now, Jesus was not implying that Peter was the rock the church was being built upon, but rather Jesus himself is the rock that the church is being built upon. Now, all throughout scriptures, you will find that the Lord is referred to as a rock, a foundation, and he is the rock and foundation of the church, not Peter. Now, the Bible doesn't emphasize this or say this, but uh, when I look at this, I can almost see the Lord looking at Peter and saying, Thou art Peter, and then going, And upon this rock I will build my church. Now, he may not have done that. I don't know. The Bible doesn't say he pointed it himself, but I fully believe that's the intention. The Lord is saying, You are Peter, but upon this rock I will build my church on, on, on Jesus and the understanding that you know who I am, the Messiah. But over in Deuteronomy 32 and 4, the Bible says, He is the rock. His work is perfect, for all his ways are judgment. A God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is he. And of course, that's speaking of the Lord. And the, that rock is capitalized, meaning it's a, a name that is given to him. In 2 Samuel 22, 2 and 3, the Bible says, And he said, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer the God of my rock. In him will I trust. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my high tower and my refuge, my savior. Thou savest me from violence. And in the Psalms, Psalms 18 and 31, for who is God save the Lord and who is a rock save our God? He didn't say save our Peter, save an apostle. He said save our God. 
Romans 9 and 33, as it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and rock of offense, and whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. That's not speaking of Peter. That's speaking of the Lord Jesus. 1 Corinthians 3 and 11, For our for other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Not Simon Peter, but Jesus Christ. So the rock, the foundation upon this rock, that is the Lord Jesus whom the church is built on. Um, so that part there where it says, I'll give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is referring to the fact that Peter would be the one that is standing there preaching on the day of Pentecost when the New Testament church, the Holy Spirit falls on that place. All those people are pricked in their hearts. Three, over 3,000 get saved. And Peter is the one preaching. And so, uh, in essence, he has the key to the kingdom. And so when Peter preaches that and ushers in the New Testament church, that's when the New Testament church began. It started with Jesus and his apostles. And then it was empowered on the day of Pentecost when all those people were saved, when the Lord showed up. And so that's the, the beginning of the New Testament church. That says the kingdom of heaven. What that means, it's everything that encompasses God and the Lord Jesus Christ and those that are serving and living in his kingdom. That's what that, that is referring to, where it says the kingdom of heaven. It doesn't necessarily mean the heavens as we think of when we die and we go to heaven. It's talking about everything that encompasses God, his plan, the Lord Jesus Christ, those that are saved, those that are living in his kingdom, those that are working in his kingdom, all of that is encompassed in the kingdom of heaven. So it doesn't mean Peter is standing there at the gates of heaven with a key. You know, you, you hear a lot of people all my life I've heard, you know, when I go and meet St. Peter at the gate, you know, <laughs> I don't think he's going to be there to welcome you in. Uh, he's not standing there with a key saying, okay, next, you're unlocked. No, that's not what that means. And so uh, the, the city of heaven and the kingdom of heaven are not the same thing. The city of heaven is, is the, the, the one that we think about when we go and there's streets of gold and uh, gates of pearl and all that. But uh, the, king, the kingdom of heaven is everything that has to do with, with God. All right. I spent a little more time on that than I intended, but let's get back to our main text. Look at verse 16, Acts 1 and 16. It goes on to say, men and brethren. Now, this is what Peter's saying. So, verse 15 said, In those days Peter stood in the midst of the disciples and said, Men and brethren, the scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost, by the mouth of David, spake before concerning Judas, which was guide to them that took Jesus. For he was numbered with us and had obtained part of this ministry. All right, so Peter is addressing this missing disciple. Of course, we all know Judas. Judas Iscariot. And he refers back to Scripture. He talks about David. David prophesying about this one Judas. He says, This Scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas. So he is saying that this has been prophesied that this would happen. David even prophesied in the Psalm. Psalm 41 and 9 says, Yea, mine own familiar friend in whom I trusted which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. So Peter connects that prophecy and that scripture with Judas. And so we see how you cannot unhitch yourself from the Old Testament like some people want to say. You can't unhitch the Old Testament from the New. They go together, one and one. And Peter knows that. And he says, you remember what David said? He's talking about Judas. 
So Peter said Judas is the one that's prophesied about. He was one of us. He was part of our ministry. We know he was the treasurer of the group. And so, uh, you know, he, he was part of them. Look at verse 18. Now this man purchased the field with the reward of iniquity, and falling headlong, he burst asunder in the midst, and all his bowels gushed out. <clears throat> so we find out a little bit more information about the death of Judas than we found out in the Gospels. And uh, he says this man purchased, r- referring to Judas. Now we know Judas didn't go up and, and uh, get a title for a piece of land, say, I want to buy a field of blood from you. I'm going to give you this. It's, that's not what that means. Uh, but the money that was given to him when he cast it back, he threw it back at them. They took that money and they purchased the field. And so it's the same as he purchased it because it was the blood money that he accepted, those 30 pieces of silver. And so it talks about uh, purchasing a field with reward of iniquity. That was his reward, the iniquity. Iniquity is sinful activity. And that's what he committed, uh, iniquity. Uh, when he uh, defied the Lord, when he uh, gave the Lord up. And uh, it says um, over in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew 27, 3 through 10, it says, Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders. Now, I'm going to stop there for a second. Where the Bible says that uh, Judas repented himself, that does not mean he repented to God for his sins and asked for forgiveness. That's not what that means. It means he felt real bad about it. He felt sorry about it. And so he decided he'd throw the money back and give it up. He did not ask for forgiveness. He did not say, God, I I repent. I'll never sin against you. That was not this kind of repentance. This repentance is more of a, you know, he's sorry. Sorry that this all took place. But it wasn't a true repentance. It wasn't a salvation repentance. I believe with all my heart that uh, Judas is burning in hell. All right, keep looking verse 4, Matthew 27, 4, saying, I have sinned and that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? See that uh, thou to that. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. Now, right there, we can see that he did not find the forgiveness. He was not looking for forgiveness. He didn't receive any forgiveness because he went out and, and took his own life. If he if he'd truly repented, he, he actually says, he, he confesses that he sinned and betrayed the Lord, but he doesn't actually confess to the Lord and tell the Lord that he's done this and he's seeking forgiveness because he didn't receive any. He didn't ask for it. He didn't receive it from God. He went out and... Um, he killed himself. Cast, he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. Verse 6, And the chief priest took the silver pieces and said, It is not lawful to, for to put them into the treasury because it's the price of blood. Isn't that, isn't that funny? It's not lawful for us to take blood money and put it in the offering, but it was okay to lie about the Lord Jesus and have him murdered. Yeah. You see their mentality, their thinking? Uh, that, that's a lot of the problem with man today. Man today can't see no further than the end of his nose. Uh, he thinks, you know, whatever pleases him and makes him happy, well, that's fine. But if somebody else is doing something over here, there's something wrong with that. <laughs> uh, so, you know, do as I say and not as I do. These men right here, uh, they found no problem with uh, betraying the Lord Jesus, but uh, 
we're not going to put that money in the treasury. Verse 8, wherefore that field was called the field of blood unto this day. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremy the prophet, saying, And they took the thirty pieces of silver, the price of him that was valued, whom they of the children of Israel did value, and gave them for the potter's field as the Lord appointed me. <clears throat> and so they're also referring back to, uh, to uh, prophecy that was given. And uh, that's exactly what happened in the betrayal of Jesus. They purchased this piece of property. So Judas throws the money down in the temple and leaves, but the chief priest takes it and buys this potter's field, the Bible calls it. It's also called the field of blood. Uh, but what Peter was implying here was that this field was the result of Judas's iniquity. In essence, he did buy it, even though he didn't make the purchase himself or sign any papers. It was his blood money uh, that paid for it. So Peter gives us some more details about Judas's demise. Now, we know that he hung himself. That's what the Gospels just said. He went out and hanged himself. But Peter included the fact that afterward he fell head first and burst open and his bowels gushed out. Now, there's a few ways that could have happened. Uh, some believe, which I kind of fall in the categories, that Judas hung there long enough for his body bloated up and then uh, eventually that rope broke or uh, whatever happened and, and he fell and probably hit down at the bottom. I don't know how high up this was. Probably fell on rocks or something. And, um, he was swollen. Have you ever seen a dead cow out in the field? I grew up around cows, and if one died out in the field, if it's a hot summer day, it wouldn't be long. That thing would be all blowed up. Uh, so I imagine he hung there long enough to be all blowed up, and uh, he hit the ground and it exploded. He, he blew up. Uh, Look at verse 19 now, back in Acts chapter 1, verse 19. And it was known unto all the dwellers at Jerusalem, insomuch as the field is called in the proper tongue, Akladama, that is to say, the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, Let his habitation be desolate, let no man dwell therein, and his bishopric let another take. So just as we just read in the Gospels, the name of the field that was bought with the 30 pieces of silver is called the field of blood. That word uh, Akladama is actually a Chaldean word, which means field of blood. Uh, then Peter refers to two different passages of Scripture from the Psalms when he's talking about this, uh, this incident. Psalm 69, 25 says, Let their habitation be desolate, and let none dwell in their tents. And in application to his statement, where it says, And his bishopric let another take, that word bishopric right there means the office of a bishop. And so... Uh, uh, he's, he's referencing Psalm 109.8, which says, let his days be few and let another take his office. And so it's clear that there's going to have to be someone else that takes Judas's place. And not just because of, of this, not just because we need somebody to, to take over where he left off or to fill in his seat at the table or whatever, but there's other reasons for it. Uh, look at verse 21. Wherefore of these men which have accompanied us uh, with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in, in and out among us. All right, stop there for a second. So they've got these two men, and uh, we've not read their names yet, uh, but they've got these two men they're going to put up there, Joseph uh, called Barsabbas and Justice, and, um, surnamed Justice, and Matthias. So we've got these two men there, and uh, they're going to put them up... Um, for a vote, if you will, or to, to choose 
who's going to be there. But I want you to pay attention in verse 21. It said that these men had accompanied them with the Lord Jesus all along. They'd been with them too. However, we've not heard about them till now. And so these men have been there. They were walking along with Jesus, along with the disciples, and they've also witnessed his death, burial, and resurrection. That's an important fact to remember. Now look at verse 22. Beginning from the baptism of John unto that same day that he was taken up from us, must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection. So it says these two men were, were with us the whole time, all the way when John baptized Jesus, all the way till he was uh, taken up from here. And so uh, they've walked uh, right along with, with, the, with all the group. And so Peter is giving a purpose for this meeting. This meeting is to appoint someone to take the place of Judas. Now, the reason for this, they must maintain the unity of 12 members. It must be 12. Uh, I don't know if, our, if I mentioned it in our last uh, study, but the number 12 is very important when it comes to not only this, but many things throughout the Bible, the number 12 is very significant. Um, it's, this is something you don't really hear many people preach about or talk about, but the, the significant importance about there being 12, that number 12 in Bible numerology, and that simply means the study of numbers, um, and in everyday life, we use the number 12 a lot. But let me give you a few examples from the Bible of why 12 is so important. First of all, the number 12 is mentioned 189 times in our King James Bible. Um, and so anything that's mentioned that many times has got to be for a reason. Uh, Jacob had 12 sons. We all know that uh, is the 12 tribes of Israel. You can find that over in Genesis 49, 28. Ishmael the son born to Sarah's handmaiden uh, because of the disobedience when Abraham had relationships with her. He also had 12 sons. And uh, they became princes, and they have important roles in the Muslim religion. That's, why that's where Islam has come from. And so this uh, problem that we have with Islam or Islamic terrorists and things, that sprung from these 12 uh, that was uh, sons that were uh, born to Abraham, Abraham and, and uh, uh, through, or through uh, Ishmael. Fourthly, Elijah built an altar with 12 stones to lay the sacrifice on and call down fire from heaven. Remember that in 1 Kings 18 when he has the big showdown up on, on the mountain and he puts 12 stones there. Fifth, the Bible mentions that Jesus was 12 years old when Mary and Joseph found him in the temple talking with the doctors and reasoning with them. Uh, Luke 2 and 42, you can find that. Jesus chose, of course, 12 disciples. That's who we're speaking about tonight. Uh, the woman that Jesus healed that had the issue of blood, she'd been afflicted for how many years? 12 years. 12. The feeding of the multitude with the five loaves and two fishes, they collected 12 baskets of leftovers. Find that over in the Gospel of Mark, 6 and 43. Jesus, from the cross, he said that he could pray and his father would send 12 legions of angels to come and rescue him. That's Matthew 26, 53. In the book of Revelation, the woman from heaven who represents the nation of Israel, she'll have 12 stars in her crown. Revelation 12 and 1. The Bible tells us there's 12 gates to the city of heaven. There's 12 angels and the name of the 12 tribes inscribed 
And there's 12 pearls, one on each gate. Revelation 21, 12 and, and 21. The tree of life will grow 12 different types of fruit. I didn't know there was that many. Apples, oranges, pears, peaches, bananas. I think they're going to be fruits we probably don't even know about. But it's going to grow 12 different types of fruits, the Bible says. So those are just a few instances of the number 12 being important in Scripture. Um, there's also things like there's 12 months in a year in our calendar. Uh, the day is divided in two twelves you know, for, to make up the 24 hours. And I, I know I spend a lot of time talking about that, but it's important that we know why the disciples needed to replace Judas. Why couldn't they just went on without him with just the 11? I mean, they were getting along just fine. Uh, what this means is they need to, to have someone take his place so that they can make it complete. Uh, those names those, of those apostles are going to be engraved there on heaven and the foundation. Uh, these are just a few instances. But go back now to Acts chapter 1, verse 23. And they appointed two, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias. So we've got Justice and Matthias that's walked all along with the disciples and Jesus ever since John the Baptist up until the resurrection. So those are the two, Justice and Matthias. Verse 24, And they prayed and said, Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whether these two thou hast chosen, that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship, from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. And they gave forth their lots, and the lot fell upon Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. All right, now a few important things there will be finished. Notice in verse 24, the first thing it says is they prayed. Now what you're going to find right here, you're going to find uh, a lot of people have a difference of opinions on, on what took place here. They say that these men went out of God's will and uh, chose this disciple, and they did it uh, by casting lots. They, in other words, they were gambling. I heard somebody say they were gambling to find out who. No, they were not. Casting lots was a normal thing that the Jews did whenever they needed to make a decision. The Holy Ghost has not been given to them at this point yet. But what they've done, the Bible says they prayed, they prayed, and said, Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men. So they got the Lord's input on this. So when they're casting these lots, however they did it, where they wrote the names on stones and put them in a thing and picked out a stone, however they done it, we're not exactly sure how it took place, but they put the two names together and uh, they, they drew from it. But they prayed first so that the Lord would guide whichever one was to be chosen would be the one they would pick. This wasn't wrong. This wasn't gambling. And even J. Vernon McGee, who I love the man. I love his ministry, his commentaries. Uh, in fact, when I first started in the ministry, if it were not for J. Vernon McGee, I don't know if I'd ever known anything. Uh, I, I learned a lot from him. But he is severely mistaken on this section of the Scripture where he says that they went on their own and chose someone that God didn't want. That's what he says in his, his commentary. Uh, that is not true. They prayed, the Bible says, and the Lord is the one that has guided them to do this. And like I said, it was normal. I could go back throughout the scripture and show you where they've cast lots for things. The scapegoat, you know how they picked the scapegoat? They cast lots to see which one of those goats was going to be the scapegoat and which one's going to get its, its throat cut. They cast lots. 
What did they, why did they do that? Well, because God was watching over this whole process. That was what they were instructed to do. Cast a lot. Which one's going to go? Which one's going to get killed? And so that was a normal procedure for them. And so they were in God's will. This is the early church taking uh, charge and doing what they're supposed to do. They looked to God for everything they needed first. They looked to him. And they're, they're getting the job done. Notice a lot of places would have said, you know what, let's just put this off. And maybe somewhere down the line we'll, we'll get somebody. No, this is pretty quick into the, into the process. They said, we got to get this took care of. This is important. God wants this to be complete. And so they pray to him. They say, Lord, which one of these should it be? And so they cast their lots, and they pick one out, and they pick out Matthias. And McGee says this. He says, because he's never mentioned after this. Neither are the other disciples except Peter, James, and John. You don't hear of Nathaniel being mentioned after this. You don't hear of Simon. You don't hear all these other, other people, uh, other disciples. And so, no, that has nothing to do uh, with them not doing God's will. They were in God's will. They gave forth their lots, and the lot fell upon Matthias, and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. Why would the Lord put that in there if, if they were going against his will? Why would he put this information in there? Well, of course he wouldn't. This is in there because uh, they were following what God's will was. Now, we don't know much else about Matthias, um, really, because he's not mentioned anywhere else in the Bible. However, these men have apparently um, have found they've been proven worthy to be considered for such an office. This wasn't just something anybody could do. It's just like the office of a pastor. You just don't put anybody as pastor, no novice, no... Uh, anything like that, anybody that can't take of their own household. I mean, there's a whole list of things there in, in was it, First Timothy? A uh, whole list of things. And so uh, to be a, one of these worthy enough to be considered for this office, it's pretty important. Uh, they were both qualified, probably the same, and uh, but they prayed about it. Now, that first one mentioned there, that name Barsabbas, it means son of Sabbas. They said his surname was Justice. That name was probably bestowed upon him because he was a very just man. Now, some people believe that he is also Barnabas that's mentioned that, that goes with Paul, uh, one of Paul's uh, missionary partners in the ministry, but we can't verify that to be, be sure. But um, So, like I said, all of this was authorized by God, and, uh, the, you know, um, the Bible is, is true in all ways, and... Um, like I said, none of these other disciples are mentioned again, either except Peter, James, and John. And um, some people say, well, Paul was supposed to be the one appointed. Paul wasn't even saved at this point. Um, and Paul said he was one that was born out of due time, as of one born out of due time. And so it wasn't Paul. God chose Paul to be an apostle. But uh, right here, this, this apostle was um, proven. And to be an apostle, you had to be present in the Lord while he, during his ministry, and you had to witness his, his resurrection. Those were two of the qualifications to be an apostle. Uh, notice they're called disciples at the beginning because that's one who learns from a teacher. A disciple is one who learns. Uh, but they're called apostles later on. As that's because an apostle is one who is sent. And so God has sent them to go out with the gospel. And one of the qualifications of the New Testament apostle was they had to be present with Jesus during his ministry, and witness the resurrection. And so uh, that's, uh, that's where we'll stop at there tonight. And Lord willing, we'll pick up 
Next time they're in chapter 2, and it's going to get really exciting. Uh, We see the Holy Ghost is is given, and uh, a lot of things that take place, and uh, I'm excited about that. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for the Bible study tonight. I pray it's been helpful. God, I thank you for the church and for those that were here tonight and listening. God, those that may hear it later on some other way. Uh, God, thank you for uh, uh, Brother Scott tonight, the singing and and leading the the songs, God, and for his faithfulness. And God, we pray for this church, Lord. I pray that you just bless it. God, bless the members. And God, uh, may we grow in grace. And uh, Lord, thank you for everything. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.